Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mission and Meaning, a monthly podcast that connects you with the important mission-related learning and work happening around our Sacred Heart community. I'm your host, Ben Su, Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access, and a member of the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy. Each month, we'll bring to you a different member from the school community to share about the ways in which they've been reflecting on and helping to deepen our mission. For today's episode, our inaugural episode, I'll be reflecting on what's defined our school community these past couple of years and introduce an important community focus for this school year around restoration. Welcome back to everyone, and especially welcome to those who have just joined our school community, to our new students and families, and to our new educators. We've been back for just about a month now, and I've already been struck by the many ways in which this year feels so different from the past couple of years. And one of the best parts of my job at Sacred Heart is that I'm able to be present in a lot of different spaces and with different people. And what I've been noticing is this palpable joy and gratitude and a genuine desire to connect with, celebrate, and support others. When we entered the pandemic two and a half years ago, I hadn't started my current role as the director of DEIA. At the time, I was an English teacher at the prep and teaching four classes of freshmen. As we went into remote learning in the spring of 2020, I saw so many of my students' struggles. But I was also touched by the different parts of them that began to surface. They're noticing and appreciating the gifts, resources, and care that surrounded them. I was also moved by their ability to show vulnerability, tenderness, and care for one another. And I remember wondering and feeling some hope about the kinds of seniors that those freshmen might become, not despite of, but because of the pandemic. And this year, those freshmen are now seniors. And I think that they, like all of us, are bearers of both scars and also strengths, resiliency, awareness, commitment to one another. And one of the most important lessons that all of us, not only our students, have been learning during these years is just how connected we are in our community. Our director's office, administrators, staff, trustees, and all our departments have met really deep and unprecedented challenges. Likewise, our educators, our teachers, counselors, learning specialists, and coaches have prioritized care for each student, created opportunities for students to connect, and discuss and revise learning goals, curricula, and policies. They've worked collaboratively in hopes that our students receive essential academic and socio-emotional learning, as well as equitable opportunities. During these times, the RSCJ has also continued to ground us in our mission and to pray for all of us. Our families have also done so much to support this community. They've checked in on one another and worked with the school to keep our students safe and learning. The parents' associations have continued to think about ways to welcome new families, keep families connected to their students' learning, and offer encouragement and gratitude to our educators. And our students have supported one another, even during remote learning, through Zoom class check-ins, working on community events and assemblies, and even offering grace and encouragement to their teachers who have also, at times, struggled. And so it's clear that as a whole school community, we've needed one another and we've been here for one another throughout the pandemic. At the same time, we've also been navigating more than just the pandemic. We've also been challenged by a major societal shift. With the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, as well as the violence faced by members of other racial and ethnic groups, we've grown in awareness of the many injustices and harms that surround us, 
whether those related to cultural, economic, or gender and sexual identities. We've come to better understand that harm can result from our individual biases, through our interpersonal interactions, and especially at the level of our systems and structures. Many of us more clearly see how we benefit from or are limited by these structures. Again, we've come to understand how connected we are to one another in our abilities to support and liberate and also to cause harm. And as a community, we've done a lot of good work here too. In the spring and summer of 2020, we received public letters from our community, testimonies, observations, critiques, and requests from students, alumni, faculty and staff of color, faculty and staff allies, faculty and staff specifically thinking about our work together. Each of these letters was an act of love and commitment to our community and to our mission to do justice in this world. And in response, our board announced a commitment and allocation of resources specifically toward the work of justice and equity. Meanwhile, many individuals stepped into leadership roles. Academic departments and individual teachers critically examined and adjusted curricula and pedagogies. Administrative teams committed to revising policies. And librarians audited their collections, showcased authors and student art, and helped with research. And during this time, students launched and have been leading affinity spaces for one another. In their classes, they've discussed, written about, created artwork, and proposed and taught workshops on issues of social justice. And families have also shared in this work through participating in the Racial Justice Task Force, organizing conversations within the community, and thinking about how they might be more inclusive within their groups. And all of us have continued in our ongoing personal, internal questioning and growth. So it's with this awareness of our connectedness and with our clear commitment to one another that we've entered this school year to engage in the work of restoration, in some ways rebuilding, but really in deepening and expanding our community because restoration won't simply mean returning to what was before. Our world and our school continues to change and we've clearly learned and accomplished so much over the last couple of years. Also, like any community, ours has never been perfect. Not all of us have enjoyed the same safety, belonging, or access. And each of us, including me, has been able to cause harm, despite our best intentions or even awareness. We're all human. But what I believe makes this community exceptional is so much of what I've just named. It's our continual commitment to one another, whether during a pandemic, a moment of social change, or whatever else awaits, that makes this school special. So restoration means our ongoing and intentional strengthening of a community, one that honors our connectedness and that believes in the importance of each person, in inherent dignity and in gifts. And we're fortunate because as a Sacred Heart School, we have a mission that calls us to continually work toward and enjoy this kind of community. It's a mission that begins by affirming that all are created in the image and likeness of God, promoting the inherent dignity of the human person, and striving for relationships characterized by inclusion and mutual respect. It's a mission that also asks us to practice a spirit of peace and reconciliation. As we enter this year, I also want to share that our school is beginning a process of considering how to integrate something called restorative justice or restorative practices. Although restorative justice is sometimes seen as a disciplinary system, it's really an approach to honoring and strengthening the community through the building and sustaining of good relationships. Restorative justice principles and practices emerge from communities that have benefited from intentional approaches to the building of community and to responding to incidents of harm. 
And it's a movement that's been occurring in many school settings in the U.S. and internationally. It's also rooted in non-Western indigenous practices and aligns in beautiful and profound ways with our Sacred Heart mission and Catholic social teaching. As I was looking for definitions I could share on this podcast, I came across two that seemed really powerful for our community. The first is being in right relationship with ourselves and with others. And here's a second, nurturing the capacity of people to engage with one another in ways that support and respect the inherent dignity and worth of all. Both of these statements resonate with our goals and criteria. So restorative justice begins with the belief in the importance and value of each person in a community. This first means that we create opportunities to learn about one another, that we also make decisions together in ways that allow for the voices and contributions of all members, and that we commit to repairing a community when harm inevitably occurs. One of the hallmarks of restorative justice is that it embraces processes and consequences that aim to repair harm and to restore community rather than to punish or stigmatize an individual who has caused harm. No one is disposable and every person is capable of both harm and good. And within the school context, restorative justice can be thought of in terms of three tiers of a pyramid with a large steady foundation that then narrows as it reaches the top. The foundational first tier is often described in terms of active community building practices and is sometimes called preventative. As the bottom of this pyramid, tier one work should reach and involve all members of the community. If we provide opportunities to intentionally build community and care for one another, we're less likely to deeply harm one another and we get to daily live, learn, and work in the kind of community that supports and values everyone. Within this tier, an important practice is community building circles, where community members develop compassion and understanding for one another. And many of our educators have already been using some of these practices within their classroom, such as in middle school advisory. And as a school, we're in the process of making these processes more available and consistent in both student and adult spaces. As we look toward the future, we're considering in what ways and to what extent we might integrate the second and third tiers of restorative justice. Tier two, as the middle level of this pyramid, should be used far less frequently and with far fewer members of the community. Specifically, their practices used to address moments of harm, which should be fairly rare if our schools establish a solid foundation of tier one community building practices. Here, restorative practices are used to help members, such as a classroom community, to share their experiences and reach an agreement about appropriate consequences that are necessary to rebuild trust and safety within the community. This also involves and cares for the person who has committed harm. It allows them to directly hear about the consequences of their actions, share their own thoughts and feelings, and continue to contribute to ideas about appropriate steps that would be necessary to repair the harm they've caused. Tier two practices not only help to resolve conflicts, but also build socio-emotional and ethical capacity in those involved. It looks for the root causes of harm, supports accountability for the one having caused harm, and promotes healing for everyone involved. Tier three practices reside at the top of the pyramid and should almost never be necessary within a thriving community. It's sometimes described with words like intensive, re-entry, and reintegration. And it's used to respond to the most intensive situations of harm that may necessitate an individual who's committed harm to leave the community, if even temporarily, in order to guarantee the safety of others. This final tier then focuses on bringing an individual 
back into a community in a way that's safe for other members and supports that individual in rebuilding connections and accountability. For the next year or two, we'll be primarily focusing on sharing Tier 1 practices that help us to intentionally build community and connection. Meanwhile, we're also beginning to carefully think about the needs and impacts, the benefits, the burdens, and the right processes that Tier 2 and Tier 3 restorative practices would offer to our community. And most importantly, we're thinking about how we live out our mission, one that's grounded in Catholic social teaching, which guides us and tells us that each person is a child of God and that we're all responsible for the well-being of one another. We do that by getting to know and including others. We do that by taking responsibility when we've fallen short in our care for one another. And we do that by thinking about how we offer paths towards repairing and restoring one another. And with these hopes, we reach the end of our first podcast. So thank you for tuning into our first episode of Mission and Meaning. If you have any questions or thoughts on this or any topic, please reach out to me directly or to the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy here at Sacred Heart with the email address omcs at shschools.org.